Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Good afternoon, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, in that presentation, it's going to be more or less an attempt at looking at doing an integrated assessment of uh, uh, sugarcane, looking at uh, firstly uh, climate change and its impacts on the sugarcane crop, and then the higher order effects in terms of uh, impacts, if any, on uh, production of electricity from the biomass, and eventually try to complete or close the circle by looking at the and affect what, how it's going to affect eventually GHG emissions. I was happy this morning to see that in some presentations, Mauritius was not forgotten on the world map. So just to start, I want to show you where Mauritius is for those who don't know, because it's very often mistaken with Mauritania, which is in Central Africa. So, <laughs> and in terms of size, topography and everything, it's so different, but we are part of Africa and we are going to stay there for years to come. So it's on the eastern coast of Madagascar, it's southeast of the African mainland. So sugarcane in Mauritius, it has been very important for the past three centuries and will probably become even more important in the centuries to come. So out of the 186,500 hectares, sugarcane covers nearly 40% of it. It has a strong bearing on employment, energy production, as we'll see later, and inland conservation also. Its contribution to GDP in 2007, only 2.2% you will see, but out of the agricultural sector, that's 46%. But it is one of the uh, good income earner uh, in terms of uh, foreign exchange that eventually uh, serve to develop the other sectors. So you will see here 38%. Some people are already starting abandoning the cane fields because of uh, different uh, reduction in sugar price and also uh, climate change <coughs> partly. And you will see that other agriculture contributes to only 5%. Now the, the situation may change drastically with what happened last year in terms of food security with probably the country trying to go into the cultivation of other crops. Uh, now electricity, Production, we, are, we don't have any other sort of resource, natural resource, the renewables will be costly as we will see eventually to develop. So we probably are the pioneers in using, started with using the biomass, which is a byproduct of the industry, to auto-produce electricity for the uh, sugar production. And eventually it shifted on and the excess biomass that is not used for the sugar uh, manufacturing, eventually the electricity has been sent to the grid. That started in the 1950s. So presently, the bagasse is contributing to about 16% of uh, the national energy. So you will see here, we've got variations, the electricity exported. This is how it is, but with conversions in terms of the production Generating, generating plants shift, uh, by the adoption of uh, more efficient uh, conversion technologies, this is going up. But unfortunately, to run these plants over the 12 months of the year, sugarcane is harvested over about six months only. We are co-generating, so we are using coal to produce over the six months of the year. But taking into consideration the sort of least cost for the uh, economic development of the country and also the cost of fuel oil, we probably won't go out of this scenario. 
But over the years, if we look at that, sugarcane has been used and a lot of greenhouse gas, we've avoided this from fossil fuel. And uh, as you see, it shuts up. Sometimes it is in relation to productivity, but this is, these two are examples of when we shifted from producing electricity at around 52 uh, bars. Now the, uh, they are working at 82 bars at 525 degrees C. So it's a big leap in the energy conversion efficiency. Here you can see the variability over the years, and these are droughts. This one was the drought of the century where it was around 50% reduction over the productivity, and we are regularly visited by cyclones also that can affect the productivity. So this is now from uh, this sort of introduction of the sugarcane and its importance within the Mauritian context. Let's look at what has been observed more or less over the years in terms of uh, climate change. For, this is just the linear regression showing that we've been observing around 0.13 degrees increase over the decades since 1970, but it doesn't change much even if you go back further back from using the 1950 data. And it's interesting to look at that in terms of minimum, that was for the maximum. If we look at the minimum, it is increasing at twice that speed that rate, and eventually it has got certain impacts that we won't go into these details uh, here. And if we look at the annual rainfall, what we are looking at is we've seen, this is average for the island, around five millimeters every year that it is going down. So but just to look over two pentes, 6190 to 71, 2000, we see this, how this is going up. Sugarcane is going to be around these areas. And the annual water requirement is usually around 1,500 millimeters of water. So <clears throat> this is not taking into consideration the rainfall distribution. So if we want to grow sugarcane as rain fed and get the potential yield, it should be in areas with around 2,000 to 2,500 millimeters of water. And we can see from this here, 2005, this is a really very small area compared to what it is here. So it will bring us to what we will need. And this is one to show, tell you that even with this area, Mauritius is so small, the climate variability is, of an, is an important issue. We can see that for one station in the leeward side of the island, over the years, just quite recent, four decades data, we went down from nearly 1,600 down to 1,103. And if we don't bring in irrigation in this area, people will go out of production. And we can see that as we go on, the number of years going below 1,600 here was free. It increases, and here we get the appearance of less than 1,000 millimeters annually. And then here, in the decade 9100, everything is below 1,600. And it is what we call the northern plains of the island, where it is the best region for agriculture. But in terms of cyclones, this is a bit of the trends what we've been observing since the 1975-76 up to the latest in the season. Uh, we can see that we are having all these cyclones won't affect the island directly. This is the Southwest Indian Ocean Basin, but the number is increasing. And it seems that there, uh, 
path also is changing because in the recent past, it has been much more going down on the eastern side of Mauritius or else going all the way through to the eastern coast of Africa. And Madagascar has been hit, we can say, much more than us over the, in the past decade. So there is a change in the path also. Uh, just now to come into the you know, simulated climate changes, with these four models that was sort of 10 years back, the, the initial, the first generation of models. And uh, sorry, this should have been 720. So this is what we got at temperature increase. And with it, the precipitation, this is how the precipitation was. And practically no big changes in solar radiation. But when we did this study, over and above this, because of the uncertainty is linked with these models of these early generation, we also did the incremental scenarios by coupling 2 and 4 degrees C increase with plus or minus 10 and 20% rainfall. So this is just to give you an idea of uh, the models were well calibrated for the two main uh, varieties being cultivated on the island. And here come to the impacts with from the baseline over about 50 years data for the island. It was worked and we got this 70.8. And look at this interesting is the water use efficiency that was at 10.5. And with all the models, we got a reduction. And as we got with UKM 42%, the water use efficiency decreases as a result of the higher, the increased water demand of the crops. And in that uh, irrigation, is not taken into consideration. And that was of the same order that Singh and Mayo did this about the same uh, range of yield decrease in a similar study in Trinidad and Tobago. And uh, for the incremental scenarios, what is interesting is to see that, okay, it gives us an idea of how this goes down. And again, I said because of this, but with zero, no change in rainfall, and only the four degrees, we've got a 43% decrease in yield and 40% more water being needed. So if we want to offset these negative effects, we need to bring in a lot of water. And plus four with minus 20% gives us a minus 62% uh, yield. So <clears throat> we wanted to cross-check at what has been happening and uh, we looked at recent climate change productions using Magic Sangan version 5.3. And uh, out of the 23, we started doing some validation based on looking at temperature, whether they really uh, were representative and gave us the, uh, projections that were in line with our observed temperatures. We did that for about 10 years, and then out of that, 23 models, we eventually selected the, uh, I think it was 18, that really gave us uh, good uh, relations, that is, observations that were close to the observations. And then we did a second series to really uh, go even deeper. Then we looked at the rainfall pattern. And out of that, eventually, we ended up, ended up with a subset of nine of the best that resembled, we can say, our observed climate data from, nine, from the year 2000 to 2008 for rainfall and temperature. And then from there, we looked at what would be the uh, 
projections over different time horizons, and we ended up with 3.95 in this year, and it is the A1FI scenario that we used for this study. So we can still say that what we observed previously uh, are still reliable to base ourselves. So we eventually looked at adaptation options, irrigation alternative varieties and alternate uh, harvest dates. And I'm going to present the irrigation uh, one only. So if we apply irrigation, we can see that we can raise a baseline. We were around 70, we, it goes up to 112. And from 10, this goes down to 7.8. And this is what happens with the others, which means that irrigation can offset the effects of four degrees, and even also if you got reductions in rainfall completely, and also for four degrees C, but again, we'll need a lot of water. So the thing is water. Now, if the thing is water, so what happens with our water resources? This is abstraction, 23%, that's surface storage. Groundwater, which is almost totally being exploited, we can get around 18% uh, of our needs. And the rivers and streams, I can say, already are being overexploited with 59% because you are uh, affecting the other ecosystems. And in terms of water utilization, uh, put it, agriculture consumes around 67% of that amount of water. And 40% is already being used twice for production of electricity and then it is being reused again for uh, agriculture or other purposes. So, and when we look at that, our hydrologically, we can harvest around uh, 650 million meter cube of water. Sorry? Yeah, thank you. So now, the GHG emissions, so, what I'm calling the best case scenario is that there is no change in the rainfall pattern and only four degree increase. We see that this is the amount of biomass uh, that we will produce less. And if we don't produce that amount, we are going to eventually, we can't offset that and we will have to use, and as I say, it is going to be coal, so we're going to uh, emit that amount. In the worst case scenario, that is 20% of rainfall less with four degrees, it is thrice this amount. Now, sugarcane in itself, there is really big expansions going in Africa and Latin America and even Asia because of its high potential to mitigate uh, climate change. Actually, as it is, from the stalk, we get the juice for raw and special sugars. The fiber, not everywhere in the world, is being used to produce steam for sugar manufacture and eventually excess electricity. The cane tops, leaves, and trash, which constitute another 25% of the amount of bagasse being burned, they are left in the fields. It's uneconomical, actually. Molasses, which is another byproduct, you've got sugar that is not uh, recovered from it. Actually, we produce about 25% is used for producing alcohol, or we can say cane liquor, and 75% is being exported. But this can be converted into alcohol for use in the uh, cows. The filter cake and furnace ash that contains certain elements that the sugarcane uses, they go to the field and they will continue to replace 
uh, synthetic fertilizer. So there is an enormous potential if we can produce it and eventually uh, make use of all the components. And this is what people are trying to exploit by increasing or by going into sugarcane production a bit everywhere in the world. So now, can we adapt? This is not in the paper, so I just did it yesterday when arriving here. So sort of estimates of the adaptation costs. If we look at water, I said we are harnessing actually around 650 million meter cube. This is what additional water we will need to offset the four degrees. Surface water storage, in terms, if we want to do that, would be around 730 million. The irrigation network, another 270 million, with a total estimates of 1 billion USD. If we look at our GDP, we've been, it represents 13% of GDP, and in terms of annual growth, it is 5%. So we probably, it's more or less three years GDP growth to be able to adapt, which is impossible, I would say. Uh, now to our conclusions. It is highly vulnerable. The adaptation is impossible because of these reasons. So I would say that four degrees beyond is beyond the adaptation limit. It is going to be representing reduced production and eventually to sort of to close the circle, it's going to be equivalent to GAG emissions that will even further exacerbate the problem in terms of global warming. Before ending, I would also say to say that we've got to think of, it's a last, last slide, of the African context, uh, the world context, what would be the implications? If we look at these sugar producing areas and we reconcile this with what has been presented this morning, it is in, a, in, in areas where there is already a scarcity of water. It is a precious resource. And with the direction that has been taken in terms of producing biofuels, I'm a bit worried about food security and also not to say social unrest in the, especially in the African countries when people will look at how water being diverted for production of biofuels and sugar or energy as opposed to for domestic purposes. We'd like to acknowledge National Met Services for the long-term data and ECI for their support to attend and present this work. And thank you very much for your attention. <laughs>